Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here with the CEO of Reading Partners, an organization out in Oakland that is expanding quite rapidly with the motto, One Tutor, One Child, Infinite Possibilities. Michael Lombardo, CEO, welcome to the EdCast. Thank you for having me, Matt. So, Michael, tell us a little bit about um, Reading Partners to those who maybe don't have any familiarity with the organization, its origins, and how you got involved. Yeah, so uh, I used to work in higher education uh, at the University of California, Berkeley, uh, where I was director of scholarships uh, and was on the sort of receiving end of the K-12 system. Um, And uh, like a lot of people in the higher ed space, I was interested in creating more opportunity for kids um, and spent uh, five years at Cal uh, having a fantastic experience, but but ultimately feeling like uh, we were doing less opportunity creation and more competing with schools like Harvard and USC and UCLA to get uh, the depressingly very small number of kids graduating from the poorest high schools uh, into a top-tier university. Um, so, so five years ago, I had this epiphany um, that uh, if you manage to make it through high school um, in you know a, a high school like Crenshaw High in South LA, uh, and you had the test scores and the grades to get into Berkeley, um, you, you probably also got into some other schools. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you were probably going to turn out okay. Um, you, had, you had won the educational equivalent of the lottery. Um, and I got really interested in trying to expand the number of kids who were coming out of, of schools like Crenshaw who were ready for any kind of college experience, particularly a, a top-tier university experience. So six years ago, I joined Reading Partners. Uh, the organization uh, was working with just a handful of schools in Silicon Valley uh, in California. Um, today, we work with uh, schools in over 40 school districts uh, in eight states um, and are, as you mentioned, rapidly expanding. Um, the model for Reading Partners is both simple and complex. Uh, we're, we're addressing the need for high-quality uh, literacy interventions for elementary school students. Um, and I think the research um, is overwhelming, and, and when you talk to practitioners, um, they understand that as kids slip back in reading, differentiation is the most effective strategy to help get them back on track. Um, and really, the innovation that we've discovered at Reading Partners isn't about uh, sort of, of curriculum or instructional approach. It's about finding a way that is not resource intensive for schools to provide high numbers of high-quality interventions for kids um, at very low cost. Um, and, and the sort of secret sauce in that is unleashing the human capital of community volunteerism um, and creating a structure around it um, that makes it impactful, um, that makes it a great use of both the students and the volunteers' time, and and I think most importantly that that creates measurable improvements in reading uh, as 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 you see on state tests, as you see on sort of school administered assessments. Um, and so that's what we're doing, and, and it's a very close partnership with the school, um, and you know it's it's an approach that uh, requires a great deal of flexibility. I think one of the hardest things we've learned as we've grown is is how to work with schools in very different environments um, in different parts of the country. You know, poverty looks different in Oklahoma than it does in New York or in Boston, um, and so so really adapting this model that's about the sort of grassroots community support um, and funneling that human capital into schools and then helping volunteers to really be effective in working with kids and, and getting those great results. Tell us a little bit about more about the community volunteering aspect. Where are you drawing from the community, how you're training them, and your relationship with AmeriCorps? 
Yeah, it is the number one question I get. Where do the volunteers come from? Because we, we get as many as 100 volunteers per school. Um, it's a real unleashing of talent. And these are people who are coming, you know, every week or twice a week um, to work with the same student. Um, so so it is a pretty significant amount of, of new adults coming into the building. In fact, our volunteers typically outnumber the staff and faculty at the school. Um, and so, so it's a significant kind of new uh, community that's coming around the school. Um, and the answer is basically, um, it goes back to that sort of grassroots concept that I mentioned before, um, every school is different uh, and, and where volunteers are going to come from is going to be tailored to that neighborhood and that community. Um, and in some cases, it's going to be large numbers of parents um, or it's going to be high school students coming into the elementary school to tutor. Um, yeah, you know, we work with colleges and universities, we work with corporations, we work with uh, faith-based groups. Um, it's really, like I said, it's about understanding, you know, sort of the community around the school, helping the school to sort of lower the drawbridges and bring everybody in, and then creating that, that structure um, that really makes the volunteer experience both, as I said, valuable for the volunteer, but even more so for the kid. Yeah, and the AmeriCorps component, too? We are proud to be an AmeriCorps program. Write your congressman. It's a great, uh, great program. Um, and our use of AmeriCorps, one of the key structural elements of how we work is that every school has a full-time site coordinator that's there to work with this core of, as I said, up to 100 volunteers uh, and typically up to 80 students that they're working with. Um, and uh, the AmeriCorps members act as the kind of facilitator of the program. So they're, they're full-time in the school. Um, they are embedded with the staff. They, I think the kids tend to think of them as another teacher in the school. Um, and they, uh, their service is really about kind of empowering the service of the community. Um, and you get so much more bang for your buck by having that AmeriCorps member supporting 100 volunteers uh, who can tutor many, many more kids than that member could do by themselves. So it's really, it's a great model that's leveraging the tremendous national asset we have in AmeriCorps, but also this broader notion of service of people who, who can't give the full year of their life that members give, but, um, but want to give an hour a week. Anytime an organization expands the way yours is, I'm, I'm always curious the pitch to new <laughs> cities, to new organizations, to new schools. And, and that pitch doesn't just have to be uh, a play to the heart, but also to the head. And the example of both quantitative and qualitative examples. So I'm curious from, from the metric side, you know, Reading Partners comes into a school. What do you tell people who are looking to maybe take on Reading Partners? Well, what is the result metrics based? Yeah, I think the statistic that we cite most frequently um, is sort of the before and after picture. Um, and, and too often, I think, reading programs say, well, the students improve their reading skills. And we say, ah, but they should be doing that anyhow. Um, so the average student, when they're referred to reading partners, is gaining 0.6 months of reading skills for every month of school that goes by. So they're, they're falling behind by about two weeks uh, every month that goes by. As you probably know, there's a well-established uh, sort of Peter principle in reading that uh, once you begin to fall behind, you typically fall behind at an accelerating pace uh, as you advance through the standard standards. Um, and so, uh, so pre-reading partners, average student getting 0.6 months of reading skills for every month of school. While enrolled in reading partners, students gain 1.6 months in reading skills. Um, so they almost triple the rate at which they're acquiring new reading skills um, and go from falling behind a little bit every month to catching up. Um, I get asked frequently about uh, grade level proficiency. We work with kids in grades K through five who are as far back uh, as two and a half years below benchmark. So, so the key variable in the equation is sort of uh, how far behind the students are when they start and then how long we have them. Um, for students who are up to one grade level behind when they start the program, about 60% completely catch up to their grade level by the end of the school year. For the kids who are more than a year behind, 75% end the school year closer to their grade level than when they started it. So they're, they're kind of on the two-year plan, as we say. Um, and I'll tell you, the sort of the pitch to a city, um, which is part of why I'm here in Boston today, um, 
is uh, I like to draw upon my roots. Uh, I don't often get to go back to Michigan. I grew up uh, in Michigan and spent part of my childhood in the Detroit area. Um, and I try to sort of tell people that, that Detroit is sort of the canary in the coal mine for the American economy. Um, the adult literacy rate in Detroit, Michigan is about 50% right now. Um, and as that city is trying to transition to the knowledge economy, we're seeing the tremendous pain uh, that it has. Um, but the reality is here in Boston, your fourth grade reading proficiency is also about 50%. So, so Detroit is the future for a lot of cities in America that are not solving the child literacy crisis. Nationally, four out of five fourth graders aren't reading at their grade level. And so, so Detroit, um, while uh, a horribly painful experience, um, is, is really just a small taste of what's coming. Um, and there's really, um, you know, we, we talk about reading um, as a survival skill in the 21st century. That there really is is very little opportunity to live anything but a life of poverty without solid reading skills. And so, so when I talk to cities and communities, I, you know, I try to kind of highlight the importance of this foundational skill, um, and you know, to help them understand what happens to their community um, and to their workforce and to their um, you know, overall kind of social fabric um, if they are turning kids out of their public school system that haven't mastered reading. The Harvard Ed School incubates a lot of education entrepreneurs, people who go and they finish their master's or doctoral degree and they go out and they start a, a nonprofit to support pro-social causes, education, things like that. And the key to growth for a lot of them is how do you bring an idea to scale? How do you take a small organization and make it a big organization? It seems like you've done that. So, you know, a couple minutes left in the podcast, the secret sauce to really excellent expansion is it leadership? Is it team? Is it money? Is it the pitch that you just gave? I'm sure you're going to say all of the above, <laughs> but you know, from your experience as a CEO who brought an idea to scale and is continuing to do that, um, what's some advice you have for young entrepreneurs who are looking to do exactly what you've been doing? Yeah, without a doubt, the most important thing is to quantify your impact uh, and to you know be really. Um, thoughtful about fidelity to the model as you grow um, and about maintaining the quality of your program. Um, and I think you know, the, the process of taking something that works in a handful of schools and making it work in a hundred schools um, is, is not easy. Um, and I think for us at Reading Partners, the key for us was to begin to understand, as I mentioned before, um, you know, sort of as you're adapting to all these very different school environments, understanding what elements of the program are driving your results, uh, what are the sort of non-negotiables, um, and then what are the things that you can adapt and be flexible about. Um, and I think a lot of organizations, uh, particularly in education, sometimes have this sort of rain dance mentality about their program where it's they don't know which parts of it are important, but if they do the entire sequence of results of, of events, they'll get the results they want to see. Um, and I think you have to kind of break that down um, and really understand what's driving your impact. What does Reading Partners look like in five years, Michael? You're still CEO. Are you in every city? What's your dream? What's your dream? What's your dream? What's, what's your what's your uh, pie in the sky idea for this? Yeah, so we uh, are just adopted a new strategic plan as an organization. Our objective in the ten-year horizon is going to be to move the fourth-grade reading achievement needle, as measured by the National Assessment of Educational Progress. As you probably know, that statistic has wavered by a handful of percentage points in the twenty years we've been measuring it. Um, and our objective is going to be to make that move um, by a significant margin. The five-year objective will be to prove that that can be done in three urban school districts. 
metrics um, and to create a 15 percentage point increase in their either state or NAEP results um, on a district level. Um, and the data we've been collecting lead us to believe that's possible and that the question is just getting to the right level of scale uh, and creating the right network of support between the school district, local philanthropic funders, the federal government, um, and all the players that make our program successful. Well, Michael, you've whet our audience's appetite. Where can they find out more? A website, a particular place on the internet to learn more, to, to see if they can get involved, to become Reading Partners. Absolutely. So readingpartners.org is your one-stop shop for all things Reading Partners. It'll enable you to both uh, find out how to get involved in your community. If Reading Partners isn't in your community, you can find out how to get a Reading Partners program started in your community. Um, we also have a great presence on social media, at Reading Partners on Twitter and at Michael Lombardo, if you want to hear more of my ramblings about nonprofit scale. Um, and really, um, you know, I think the, the message is that, you know, this is a critical problem we have as a country, but there is a, a program that's working that's generating amazing results, uh, and, and the best is yet to come. Michael Lombardo, CEO of Reading Partners. One tutor, one child, infinite possibilities. You can make a difference in the life of a child with just one hour a week. Thanks for coming to Harvard today to chat with us, and uh, good luck with the next five and ten years. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.